0: Welcome to the Searching for SaaS podcast, where you'll join Nate and Josh, two founders on very different stages of their businesses. Nate is earlier on his journey and is looking for something to stick, while Josh is in the company building phase. Together, they will geek out on software as a service and share their stories. Let's dive into today's episode.
1: Hey, Josh. Hey, Nate. How's it going? Pretty
0: good. I'm having a good uh, good week, good past couple weeks, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, things are uh, things are going well.
0: Yeah, we've been uh, pretty busy here. We had a couple major changes to our internal teams. We've had a couple salespeople leave, so we're actually taking this opportunity to work on our onboarding, work on more of a product-led approach, mm-hmm. and are sort of treating it like a forcing function for that. It's stuff you always kind of mean to do, but to focus more on those because we're like, hey, you know what? Like, let's just, we have a nice team involved now. I think I said I have a, we have a product manager now. So like years and years past, I was the one that still had to do the UIs and all of these things and running around like a chicken without a head trying to do (laughs) all the jobs. But I know have a nice team involved. We've, in the past six months, we've added more dev resources. So kind of have the right setup in place to really go after some of these things. So.
1: Yeah, well, that sounds like a great opportunity for you guys. I'm glad that's working out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll go well with our inbound engine, and now we're kind of like, hey, uh, we could convert them at a high rate before, and now let's let's kind of let the product-led approach kind of take course now and take a load off of us a bit. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's quite a shift, though. Like to to go from focusing more on the outbound sales side to inbound and product-led, that's that's quite a shift.
0: Well, it wasn't outbound, so it was still inbound. It was just inside salespeople that would take demo requests, so they never had to do any outreach or outbound. It was kind of nice for a salesperson, honestly. They just, essentially, we scheduled everything. You know, someone fills out a form and we use Calendly and a bunch of other tools to auto-route the right leads to the right person. And all of a sudden, as a salesperson, you just show up More or less and show up to the scheduled day and then kind of run through your demos do some discovery so
1: yeah and they're like customers who want to learn more about your product already then too so it's it's probably a nicer sales pitch
0: it is it is they don't have to feel like they're they're pushing themselves on anyone because everyone is opt-in everyone is yeah the only challenging parts is sometimes when the the marketing copy gets a little too like, hey, we can help you grow or whatever, those types of things that are great for conversion. But then you get someone on the line that is interested. And they're like, hey, yeah, so how does this work again? What do you guys do? I just heard Mm. you could help me get more referrals. It's like, okay, so this is a top of the funnel pitch. This is a longer sales cycle. This is first I've got to sell you on or explain to you and, and basically kind of walk through those level of awareness now get you even understanding what referral marketing is. So, but letting the product do more of the work is, is a good thing. And we've always had a trial process, but now we're actively navigating more people through the product versus through mm-hmm. the salesperson. So
1: yeah, yeah. That's cool. I, I, uh, I look forward to hearing what you guys come up with along the, that path.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, cool. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I had a really good customer interview this past week on my ad idea. And so I'm, I'm pumped up about that. And yeah, I just had, I had some difficulty kind of trying to trying to stay on the bandwagon of talking to people and not writing code. I think at some point I kind of deluded myself into thinking that if I wrote some code that it would help me find more people to talk to. So yeah, there's been a struggle there and just I had a bit of a hard time finding the right people to talk to, and so just trying to trying to push on finding people to talk to has been really difficult.
0: Where uh, did you find like, the what the one that you had? You said you had a really good one this week. They so come I had from?
1: one. I had one really good one, and that was a referral from a friend. And I I think I've kind of tapped that pool. I don't think many more are going to come from that pool.
0: Okay.
1: And so I kind of fell back to the places where I do my initial research. I was looking around on Twitter and then I was looking around on Reddit. And one thing I found is that there's a lot of new folks there with very little experience talking a lot Mm -hmm. and not so many of the more experienced people are hanging out in those forums. And so that's difficult because I want to talk to the more experienced people because they know the process a bit better. They know the ins and outs and the, the pitfalls and such. Right. So. So you're
0: specifically looking for drop shippers, right? And and yeah. all is it specific to any platform, Shopify, Amazon, I'm, anything?
1: I'm trying to stay away from Amazon. That's kind of my only criteria at this point. Yeah. But usually that ends up being Shopify, yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And, and so essentially
0: when... at this point you've tapped your market. You've tapped your friends and family that have, you've reached out to like people you know. To, hey, do you know anyone that, does drop shipping and you're pretty much at the, the end of that, that reach.
1: Yeah. And I, I think maybe it's just a bit of, I have to just dig in and push through it and get more. Cause my goal was my goal this week was to talk to one person per day and I've done three this week. So, or done three, I've done completed two and I've done the groundwork for the, the third one, but I have to wait to hear back on that. And have I you, think I'd like to. Quick sorry. question. Have
0: you asked them for a referral? Did they know anyone else?
1: No, I didn't, I was kicking myself for not doing that on the, the one person that I did really well with. I suppose I could still go back to them.
0: Yeah, you could still do that.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think really it's just a mind game where I just need to push through this and put myself out there more. Because a bit of me is just like, I don't feel comfortable doing doing the, the, the searching for per, people to interview. The interview process itself I, I quite like. But it's like the putting yourself out there to ask people to talk to you, kind of thing.
0: What that's interesting. Why why does that make you feel uncomfortable?
1: Well, it's like you gotta like find the person on the internet and then like see what their backstory is to make sure that like you're not wasting your time talking to them or getting the wrong signals from them. Like, kind of figure out where they're coming from, and that already takes quite a bit of effort so far. And then you know to come up with a nice message to them, and you're asking them to kind of go out of their way. And then some people are really busy and so you have to follow up with them, kind of bug them a little bit. I I don't feel natural. I don't feel right in that, that, that place there. Like I can do it, but I certainly don't feel, I don't have much experience with that.
0: Okay. What's interesting is the uh, Michelle's new book doesn't cover any of that. Just covers like the interview process itself. Is that, is that accurate? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, as far as I know, I think there might be a small part about finding people. I know. Well, actually, she does have one spot about finding people, and that was about like offering paid, like you know, here have a gift card if you talk to me, mm-hmm. kind of thing.
0: I could be wrong, but I think. Do you know that guy Arvid, the feedback panda guy?
1: I've heard of him. It sounds familiar.
0: I, I believe he just created started a new book forgive my typing. I don't know if you can hear it there. I think it's called the embedded entrepreneur or something like that. I could be totally wrong.
1: What's the, what's the gist?
0: I, I, this is where I'm going to probably be wrong. So we can look it up later just to, to confirm, but I believe it was, I think it, there was a lot of part about like getting into communities and getting into like, it sounds like it's kind of like part of the, the, I remember seeing like the headline of it. So I could be totally wrong, but I think it might it might be something in that in that general area. Like I don't honestly have a lot of expertise in that in that where you're where you're struggling right now. so it's
1: yeah I, I have tried to join a number of communities as well. So I've joined two marketing communities that were quite large. There are like around thirty thousand people in those communities each. And then I joined a drop shipping specific Facebook community, which has, yeah, like thousands of people in it. And I've tried to post like, hey, I'd like to talk to people. You know here's my pitch kind of thing and i've just got like zero response on it and like i said a lot of the people in those forums are people who don't have a lot of they're they're usually starting out kind of people so one thing i have been able to do to get the other two other than the referral was to look for people who are answering questions in those forums and then personally message those people and just to make sure that i have like enough of a backstory on them as well to to check that they're you know a good good fit for it and also someone who's receptive to that type of reach.
0: Okay. Interesting. I, I was able to pull it up so it's called The Embedded Entrepreneur and okay. that the tagline above it is How to Build an Audience Driven Business and then there's like four bullet five bullet points at the top it says find your audience, explore their communities, discover their problem, fo- build a following and build a business. So I'm wondering mm. if there's some interesting things in there. I actually even wonder I've actually been thinking about getting our first guest, I wonder if we'll reach out to him. Maybe he'll come and give us the skinny in general. Hmm. And then I'm sure he'll like the opportunity to kind of tell other people about his book other than us just guessing by reading three or four words about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> so I'll, I'll reach out to him. I think I, we follow each other on Twitter and, and maybe we'll have him on and maybe you can ask him some questions and stuff and see if that'll
1: help That you. would be sweet. Cool. That would be sweet.
0: But yeah, it's interesting. We're both at these points of a little discomfort of where I talked about how we're shifting more heavily into product led and then how you're still struggling with the, you know, not just, just whipping out the IDE and coding and also just kind of struggling, just getting, getting traction and finding people to talk to now that you have an idea you do want to further validate. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a couple other validation questions. I don't know if this came up, but this was some notes I made over the weekend that I was thinking about, like, what are the second order problems you start to think about during, like, once you have the product? So again, not coded yet, but hmm. it, it, it kind of parallels to my thinking about onboarding and you hear about, like, aha moments and you hear about value metrics and you know, all the other things involved with there. And oftentimes I think people struggle with like, okay, what is that aha moment? What is the time to value? So it did make me think about that in your context a little and almost even layering in a second level of validation questions we could have, which which I think is kind of interesting. Like, you know, we covered market product distribution and differentiation in our initial discovery and level one validation. But this other one kind of goes into like, what is the value metric? Like, what is the innate thing where you're, you know, maybe it's, it, it does result in something being on the landing page as like the benefit, um,
1: Yeah. but. Like, like, are you thinking like, kind of like, what's the, if you were to tell someone a story about what you do, what would be the villain in the story? Is that kind of what you're thinking, like?
0: Not, not quite the story side in that piece. Just like, what is the value? Like I could say for Referral Rock, the value is getting more business. That's just the value, right. like, what is the one thing? So like, what are you selling if someone's just like, what, what, what yeah, what is, what is ad spy selling? What would you call the value for that?
1: Right. And, and it could be time and it could also be knowledge like time as in, I don't have to go and find all of this data myself or get a research assistant to do it. Or it could be, I get all this intelligence that I didn't otherwise know Right. And so I can, so I can make better decisions so that I can win or, you know, get, make a better product or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it's a combination of those. I, I would, I would, I would probably say more of the, the latter one than the former. So more in terms of just like information on tap that intelligence, it's almost like competitive intelligence, right? So like know what yeah. your competitors are doing so you can act or not act or it's like so you can take action maybe that's Mm -hmm. the line
1: (laughs) yeah no I think that's I think that sounds really good because like time you know there's there's the value of like you could just put a dollar dollar per hour on there and do that conversion but that I don't think that's very compelling in this case I think the you're right the more compelling part is the intelligence
0: right because some people may not even be you know we talked about stages of awareness a little bit as I was describing the referral rock buying process but the you know, how aware are they and the person that's like you know, there's one set of customers you're looking at that are you know, possibly doing this manually or possibly doing this with existing tools and stitching things together. But what is that next proposition of higher up in the funnel the person that doesn't know this is what they need and if you just tell them like, Hey imagine, you know, imagine I could just give you competitive intelligence and tell you all of the products like a product change their price overnight, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, you know, affects your bottom line or how many products you're going to sell tomorrow or next week or next month. Yeah, I think you're right. The the other one I have in that is like how much, how, how, what is the time to value? So how, how fast can you get to that? Like referral rocks one is actually kind of challenging a little bit for us because you had to set up the program you have to, then you have to promote it to your audience, you know, it's usually your customers to get them into like, they might review your product or, you know, give a review. And then it's like, Oh, would you also like to give a referral or someone makes a purchase? And again, then you're like, Hey, do you want to tell some friends about it? Whatever those other things, but the time to value for referral rock, it also depends on what you consider the value, right? Like. The end product of seeing your referral program in a widget is one value metric like "ooh, it's actually like that's tangible i built that i see that it's live on a website that's one but the real value the reason people stick around the people reason people use the product is so they're getting referrals that convert into customers right so our time to value scale is actually further out there's that little bump that i said it's like nice to see the visual that you have the program but then it's like, might be two weeks later because it, they, they, they promote it out with an email blast. Some people are referring and then people still take time to buy and whatnot. So it could be a couple weeks um, before they see value. How do you see for your ad spy type of product? What is, what is the time to value there is?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it depends on what the person is looking for because I think, we have to provide, I think to survive, I think we have to be able to provide some value immediately to the customer. Otherwise, I think they're probably just going to walk. And that's why I've been trying to figure out, I have kind of have like three different parts of this ads by idea that are all kind of separate. But I, I feel like I need to have them together so that I can get that nice medley of, of things where it's like you get the initial value when you sign up, but then you get the long term value as you use it for for longer and longer So I think the the value is the intelligence, right? And it takes time for that intelligence to come in too. Like if someone changes their product price, that that's not going to happen every day. So until that happens, we haven't demonstrated our value very well, if that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that we were checking. And so I think that's a real challenge. And I think another thing that you kind of touched on earlier, which is also a challenge too, is that I think a lot of people in this uh, market are going to be higher in the funnel. I think- it's gonna be more trying to draw them in than people who already know about it and you know they, they already know that they want some sort of intelligence and they're like well they, like I'm gonna pick you or I'm gonna pick competitor a
0: right so you actually are probably selling to the person that you go oh what you need is competitive intelligence on what your competitors are doing you're like well why, why would I need that well you didn't realize like if they change if they lower, the, lower their prices, you know, last week. And then how that affects your life. Oh, actually, I never thought about that. It's like, Oh, okay.
1: Well, I I think it's, I think it's a little bit more progressed than that. I think that it's more like they don't realize that they can have that information Mm. at their fingertips. Like they, I think some of the people I've talked to, they know that they could go and check all their competitors prices. And some people actually do that. They have an assistant who goes out and like manually does this every week. But If you told them, hey, you can get this really easily through a program that will manage it for you, then they're like, mind blown, like this actually exists. Okay. Where do I sign up?
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Actually, I had a quick idea. This might totally fall flat, but have you looked in like in areas, let's say like Upwork or whatever, like people that post jobs that for people that are just is like, is there a job posting for that assistant?
1: (laughs) That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Huh? Yeah, that that would work.
0: And essentially, you could be like, you don't need an assistant; you need my software. Or let me talk to you about that. I have I'm looking on this idea that could help that. Or just looking for people that are, you know, and maybe the queries are more about like someone that has a job posting that's looking for someone to, you know, that hey, they want you want to learn more about drop shipping. Like you'll, you know, it, it's there. There, there, they are the ones that are looking for help. So maybe that's a way to like mm-hmm. adjunct that conversation. I don't know, just a thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea.
0: Oh. All right. So, my last one on this list was from an ongoing perspective. Like what is the mm-hmm. frequency of use uh, that so that they're going to get consistent consistent value, right? Cuz like how can you consistently, especially as a SaaS deliver value week over week? And again, from a referral rock standpoint, sometimes that becomes challenging when you have when we have a smaller customer that just has let's say they have 500 customers existing and past customers and then they just email blast them out and say join the referral yeah. program and it's great for the first like month or two they get a few referrals life is good they think this is like gangbusters and then they go and realize like okay but their incoming intake is maybe only 10 new customers or 20 new customers a month and like working the math down of how many people are going to refer and then how many of those people are actually going to come and buy this, the software or whatever they're selling. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like three or four months later, they go, Oh, like this doesn't deliver enough ongoing value. Yeah. Um, so does that, does that come up for you at all in terms of frequency of use? Do you think like, for example, if the prices didn't change fast enough, <laughs> Or or very often it's like hey I'm getting all this competitive intelligence but nothing is changing so there's actually not much to even
1: report. Yeah, I think you're right. Like that is a danger that I have to look out for. I think, I think there's probably some creative ways to really get, more, like to get higher granularity on some of the the ad information or to do some sort of inspiration type of section to it where. We can push push more intelligence to people that like maybe if there's not a lot going on maybe we talk more about what the the market trends are doing in their larger demographic as opposed to just their their really tight vertical we could do things like that there's also the problem that some of these people have so many competitors that they can't possibly deal with all the noise and so for them it's more of a whittling down problem of how do we how do we provide the right value to them Right, like it's like a dilution problem, a noise it's a problem, kind of, right?
0: There's it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting, because like, but the, but they're talking about, we've talked about in a spectrum of two totally different customers. One that is so small that they're not going to get enough value because the products don't change very often, or there is not. There's not enough volume of competitive intelligence for you to provide to them. Cause it's all based on change. It's not, it's all dynamic, right? That's, that's the value you're giving is that they don't have to check this. It's like if their competitors all just, just stayed flat or stayed in their lanes, then there is no com- new competitive intelligence.
1: Yeah. One thing that does kind of work in my favor though, and I think probably works in your favor too, with your referral stuff is that the, the value that a small company gets by knowing when one of their competitors changes is that like it's so big for them that like if if they're in a really tight market like there's like you know three competitors they're all small and they hardly ever change if you find out about that change first it gives you a lot of a lot of advantage and so i think that to them that would seem very valuable
0: right like it's 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 a fomo it's like knowing i have a it's like knowing i have a smoke alarm in my house and like it, its value is assurance, right? It's not yeah. actually the competitive intelligence per se. It's the fact that I feel comfortable that if there was a fire and there's smoke that it's actually going to beep and me and my kids uh, mm-hmm. will run outside. I don't think our dog would actually do anything. Which is <laughs> he's weird. If there's fire it might run out. Yeah. We have a treat maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah no I think that's a that's a struggle though right like the I think maybe it's just a matter of trying to focus on the mid market group like people who are don't have too many competitors and people who don't have too few competitors at least to start and to try and aim for that that block of people and then work at the more special cases as we go
0: right yeah, I think it's an interesting exercise, especially as you do these interviews to kind of thinking about where they classify this, thinking about how that person would continue to get value. And maybe you're just starting to segment already a little bit in terms of the right fit customers, so you also know who you're talking to, what they're willing to pay, what the real value is to them. Um, mm. Again, these are all, in my mind, like I think like second-order questions that once you have something and you're already starting to get people, now you're like, oh, I have a churn problem, right? Or I have a problem <laughs> with onboarding, or I have these other problems that... Are harder to solve because you don't really think about them until you're at that, in that thick of it. Because at first you're like, oh, I got a paid customer. Cool. But he yep. left like three months later. Well, why'd he leave? Oh, well, you know, frequency of use was X and time to value took too long or whatever all these things. But those are not, like I said, these are these are like second order problems that we can think out. Now, the danger in that, like chess is we could be thinking too many moves out and are wasting our breath, but.
1: uh. Yeah. But I think what's really helpful to mitigate some of that is like in the customer interviews to ask questions that kind of prompt some of those things. Like for example, with the one person that I had a really good interview with, I asked him, well, how many times in the last three months have you done X problem, which I believe that my software will solve. Right. And, or um, showing him a screen and saying, okay, what is the, What is the most valuable piece of information to you on this screen? And by that, I actually learned a lot because I actually had it, I I had it completely backwards as to where I thought the value was. And that was really insightful for me, at least from this one person, perhaps someone else has a different thought, but. Right, right.
0: Cool. Well, I had one more on my list and that should probably wrap us for today, but sort of also in this maintenance and thinking like longevity of a person using your your solution is lock in and switching costs. Like what is actually gonna keep them on your, using your, your, your platform per se. I mean, I think I know some general answers, but I'll let you answer what you would think of like, how do you keep them from switching and why, why Mm. do they stay with you versus, you know, hop in the next train to another ad spy.
1: The way that we can kind of hold on to them is to give history. So Mm. Like from the moment you start using the software, we're going to keep, we're going to keep archives of all the activities that have happened and we'll find a way to make that benefit them so that if you were to leave, then you would lose, lose that, that archive of information. I think that's probably the biggest thing to keep people sticking around. Well, and that, and they're, thing...
0: that and they're adding their products, right? They're adding your products. Do you envision them adding all the competitors or is that something you were envisioning. Oh, it's getting into coding. It's getting into thinking of architecture. So, uh-oh, uh-oh.
1: So that was the rabbit hole I fell down <laughs> this week. <laughs> I started coding because I was like, hmm, I wonder how I could do that. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I should code that. And then I started coding and, yeah. <laughs> I have some really cool code, though, let me tell you. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I think, the, I think the history is kind of the way to keep them around. And, uh Having their competitors in there and everything all set up for them, I think that's that's kind of the the switching cost there. I'm sure that people will, from time to time, just try out some of these other competitors who just offer like a search, search feature, like you know, search for whatever, and it will give you all the ads for that search. They might try that out, but and some I of them they put those out as like
0: a free product too, or it's like a you can do X amount of searches per day or things like that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That kind of idea.
0: I mean, that's kind of nice because you could see value like right away as well, like, because if they're not sure if it's going to deliver.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the hard thing with my product is that I'm trying to get something that has deeper meaning to people than just that they can search for their search for a specific term and see all the ads for it. I'm trying to get more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. And some of the features that I want to build require more time, like more time for them to work like you know you put in your information and then you need some time before it'll give you the the value and so i'm kind of struggling to figure out how to how to demonstrate that value to a you know a free trial type person right
0: now that's that's challenging that's definitely a challenging bit and also you're running a risk of like you got to build a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. to figure out what that value is and what if you're like i said what if they're their space doesn't move very fast and it's like, okay, there's really not much I can tell you here. Sorry. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So interesting. But no, I think this is all good to fodder for your interview questions and things like that. Yeah. I thought it was a interesting exercises. I was working backwards for our own reasons, like thinking about why people churn, when people get value, how long it takes switching mm. costs, all, all of those, those pieces. It'd be interesting to also just like look at general churn lists, like, people list out like why people leave and probably almost like work backwards. And there could be some other questions that I didn't think about today, but that could help formulate some questions that help not only frame where the value is. and It also might help you eventually model out what areas of the product to build out, what are the areas that, and like how it could be structured. And even potentially later, dare I say, like pricing and packaging because we talked about, different segments of users and maybe there's like, okay, you're only one product, but you have to sign it for a year because we're really not, we can't really give you much value at least for a year, but then at least you're locked in. But at year two, it's going to cost more. It's like it could, it could have different pricing structures involved, but who knows? Yeah.
1: Pricing is a big discussion. Definitely. definitely. So
0: cool. Any big plans for the weekend?
1: I think I'm going to go hang out in the backyard tomorrow, cut the grass, you know, that kind of thing nice, yeah. nice. I'm
0: trying to think oh, I think my my son has his last baseball game of the season nice. so nice. it was his first year playing in coach pitch, and it's kind of fun, and I've been keeping track of his own stats. I think he's batting like nine hundred, but again, it's coach pitch, and they want you to hit it, so I gotta convince <laughs> him that that's like you know him getting on base, going five for five is is would be fantastic if that was like you know real <laughs> but he's he's doing a good job he's having a, a ton of fun and just looks forward to it so
1: oh that's cool. awesome
0: yep so anyway all right well are you anything else you want to chat about today or that wraps us up
1: oh, i think that's uh, that's good for me cool all right talk to you talk next to you week Nate. yep bye see ya thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at searching for SAS on Twitter. That's searching the number four SAS, or send an email to searching for SAS at gmail.com. See you next week.